Welcome to This Week in Linux. We've got a jam-packed show for you this week. LibreOffice 7.6 has been released. Also, Bodhi Linux 7.0 has been announced. And hold on to your hats, whatever color they may be, because Kali Linux 2023.3 is out. Then in desktop news, we got a new release from the Budgie desktop team, and we're going to take a look at some upcoming releases for GNOME 45 and KDE Plasma 6. Plus, we'll take a look at an all-new Fedora-based distro. Well, it's not really a distro. It's more of a custom image, but it's made for the Steam Deck and gaming on PCs. Plus, we have some news from Fedora itself. All of this and more on this episode of This Week in Linux, your source for Linux. Good news. This episode of Twill is sponsored by Linbit. More on them later. The latest version of the quintessential open source office suite is out. That is LibreOffice 7.6. What's new in 7.6? Well, you have support for zoom gestures when you're using touchpads in the main view. There's improved keyboard navigation through LibreOffice writer forms and also improved formula input validation in LibreOffice Calc, the spreadsheet application. Support for document themes has been added. You can also import and export the theme definitions. There's also been many improvements to font handling, especially for those right-to-left scripts. Uh, there's also a new page number wizard in the insert menu for easy one-step insertion of the page numbers for the headers and footers. There's also been adding color as a sorting method in the auto filter support system. And also, there's a new compact layout for pivot tables, new navigation panel for switching slides while you're viewing a presentation, and other various improvements, including better performance. And in addition to all of these improvements for LibreOffice 7.6, this press release also announced that they're going to be changing how the version numbers will work in LibreOffice, starting with the next release. After a lengthy discussion, LibreOffice developers are moving to a year-month-based versioning system. So the next release will be LibreOffice 24.2, which is February 2024, and then six months later, be LibreOffice 24.8, and so on and so on. The reason for this change was due to the maturity of the, the LibreOffice code base. They're saying that the major minor versions aren't really applicable anymore because they're making so much big changes and they're deciding which one should be a major, which should be a minor. It doesn't really matter anymore. So switching to this makes more sense. And I will agree that this is a better approach. And then there's also the other option of the 2024.2 rather than just 24.2. But I think it's a good choice to just use the 24.2. And I saw one comment in the thread on the mailing list talking about how well, what, when, what we're going to have to deal with a change when we get to twenty year 2100. And I thought, yes. So after 7.6, let's now worry about 76 years into the future. It's okay. We can worry about that when we get to it or when whoever gets to it. If you'd like to learn more about LibreOffice 7.6 or LibreOffice in general, you'll find links in the show notes. The Bodhi team have announced the release of a long-awaited version of Bodhi Linux 7.0. For those unfamiliar, Bodhi Linux comes with the Moksha desktop, which is a fork of Enlightenment, and the Enlightenment system as well as the Moksha desktop are very kind to system resources, so it's a nice lightweight option for those who are in need of that. It's based on Ubuntu 22.04 LTS. And let's talk about what's new in the latest version of Bodhi Linux 
Now, this new version comes with new variants in addition to new features. So let's talk about the new variant first. Bodhi comes with a standard release, also a hardware enablement release where you get newer kernels, and the new variant is called the S76 variant, and it gives you the latest kernel with currently 6.4. Now, this is really interesting because they already have a hardware enablement, and they're adding this additional thing to give even more up-to-date hardware support, which is really cool. And it's also called S76. I couldn't find a documentation that explained what this meant, but I instantly thought System76. I have no idea if there's any relation to that, but that's what I thought when I saw it. Also in this release is window snapping to screen edges, new DND feature for menu items, file preview improvements. Also, they have updated the packages and libraries for EFL, and they've updated it to the eGit versions. They've also improved Moksha to no longer rely on deprecated libraries. And they have a new login screen design with an upgraded look with a password reveal feature and a new Plymouth theme. If you'd like to learn more about Bodhi Linux 7.0 or just try out Bodhi Linux for yourself, you'll find links in the show notes. QEMU 8.1 has been released. This is the open source virtualization software and it is coming with a lot of new features and improvements. So what's new in QEMU? Well, there's a new Pipewire audio backend to improve audio output compatibility for audio devices. Also, the VFIO live migration support is no longer classified as experimental, which is great. And for those who are not familiar, the VFIO driver is an IOMMU slash device agnostic framework for exposing direct device access to user space through the IOMMU protected environments. There's also uh, updates to the GTK graphical user interface to support multi-touch events. The AES acceleration for host processors have been added for ARM, PowerPC, and RISC-V. Also, memory tagging extension support for guests in KVM virtual machines has been added, and much, much more. If you'd like to learn more about QEMU, you will find links in the show notes. Bazite 1.0 was recently announced. I'm not sure if it's Bazite or Bazite. But anyway, this is a custom image based on Fedora Linux 38 designed to improve Linux gaming for PCs and even the Steam Deck. Now, technically, this is not a distro. This is from the team of Universal Blue, and they make a variety of different custom images based on Fedora. So technically, it's not a distro, but it's part of the offerings from the Universal Blue project. So it's built from the ublue-os slash main package and also the ublue-os slash NVIDIA. And this is using, of course, Fedora underneath. The Universal Blue is a project that they say makes custom OCI-based images of Fedora with batteries included. Bazite 1.0 comes with a lot of cool stuff installed by default. Speaking of which, they have the proprietary NVIDIA drivers pre-installed, full hardware acceleration subcodec support for H.264 decoding, full support for AMD's ROCKM OpenCL slash HIP runtimes, XPad Neo driver for wireless Xbox One controllers, full support for Display Link, includes Valve's KDE themes from SteamOS, also the Latency Flex, VK Basalt, Mango HUD, and OBS VK Capture is all installed by default and available to use. DistroBox is also pre-installed with automatic updates for creating containers. System76 scheduler pre-installed 
providing automatic process priority tweaks to your focused applications and keeping re resources nice and you know minimum for background processes. They've also pre-installed Wadroid for running Android applications and a lot more. Now, this seems like a very interesting offering for gaming PC or maybe a custom console or maybe for those who would like to replace the OS on their Steam Deck. I won't be doing that one, but the other stuff does sound pretty interesting. So if you're interested in learning more about Bazite 1.0 or Universal Blue in general, you'll find links in the show notes. This episode of Twill is brought to you by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and Linstore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community as well because they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features to their products. Limbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms without vendor lock-in, which is really cool because no matter what your OS is and no matter what kind of hardware you want to use, including off-the-shelf hardware, you're good to go with DRBD and Linstore. And also with DRBD and Linstore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration, whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula. There's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. Linbit provides really awesome services like DRBD, and DRBD is a really good way to make sure you have good data recovery and backups. And if you ever have like a cluster with multiple nodes and one of those nodes fails, you can have rest assurance that the backup nodes will have the data that you want. So if you're interested in checking out any of the software from Linbit, I highly recommend it. So go to linbit.com to check it out. That's L-I-N-B-I-T.com. For all the security professionals out there, and even the aspiring security professionals, Kali Linux has announced the latest release of their Debian-based distribution. Kali Linux 2023.3 has been released, and it comes with some new tools. It comes with a improvements to the Kali Autopilot, which is an automation attack framework. It's undergone a major overhaul. Plus, there's these nine new tools that they've been added to this release, such as Calico, Hubble, Recano, and Villain. And also, Kali Linux has made, announced a massive undertaking of reworking their infrastructure. In their announcement post, they say, with the release of Debian 12, which came out this summer, we took this opportunity to rework, redesign, and re-architecture our infrastructure. Now, this is gonna be an interesting thing to see what happens. It means that they're definitely going to be upgrading to Debian 12, but not this release. So in a future release, we're gonna have all of that. Plus, they're also working on improving their entire infrastructure, and I'll have a link in, to, in the show notes to their blog post about that details if you'd like to learn more. But now, as it is tradition, Kali Linux is not made for beginners to Linux. Kali Linux is made for security professionals. It should not be used as a daily driver. Even Kali Linux themselves warn against doing that. So I know it's on the internet. It seems to be like cool to use Kali. And it is. Kali is an awesome distribution and it is very cool. But you should not use it as your daily driver. Just don't do that. Unless you're a security professional, then if you're a security professional, then do whatever you want, I guess. But if you'd like to learn more about Kali Linux, you'll find links in the show notes. The buddies of Budgie have announced the latest release of the Budgie desktop with Budgie 10.8. This version of Budgie brings many improvements such as enhancements to the Budgie menu, status notifier support has been added to the system tray, 
A new trash applet has been added by merging a third-party applet into the project, which is always cool to see. They've also added support for controlling performance profiles from the desktop and support for the Magpie ABI has been added. For those unfamiliar, Magpie is a new window manager, which is a soft fork of Gnome's Mutter. If you'd like to learn more about the difference between a soft fork and a hard fork, then you can check out the video I made on this particular subject linked in the show notes and in the cards. Now back to Magpie. So Magpie is a soft fork of Mutter because of the development issues that Budgie has had using Mutter over the years. Gnome's Mutter is a good window manager overall, but it's very much catered to Gnome and the direction they want to go in, which is not always a good fit with the goals of the Budgie team. So the Budgie team is changing some stuff and what they're doing is pretty interesting. They're making their own salt fork of Mutter to keep X11 support solid and also work on different versions of Magpie for Wayland support on the future stuff with basing that on WL roots. So Magpie 0.X is for continued support of X11 and Magpie 1.0 will be for support of the Wayland protocol. This release also includes various bug fixes and a variety of other improvements. And if you'd like to learn more about the Magpie new window manager or about the latest release of Budgie 10.8, you'll find links in the show notes. Speaking of the GNOME desktop, we've got some news to talk about with the next version of GNOME, which is GNOME 45, and that is expected to be released next month. So let's talk about some of the highlights and we'll cover the rest once the final version is released. The core component for a lot of the functions and visuals of GNOME, lib Adweta, has been upgraded to version 1.4. GTK also saw upgrades to GTK 4.11.4, and these two upgrades will provide performance improvements as well as some visual enhancements for users. There's also one change that I think is very interesting, although it isn't very glamorous to talk about because it's a backend change, but GNOME has added the use of a kernel mode setting thread, which the purpose of this is to enhance the performance of Mutter. This creates a dedicated thread to handle cursor movements, which alleviates some pressure from the main thread. This is an architectural adjustment that has potential to bring significant improvements in the overall system performance of using GNOME. Now, GNOME had already addressed the elephant in the room with a previous release when they went from a single threaded desktop to a dual threaded approach but it is great to see them continuing to work on this because well having parallel threads do various jobs should help the overall performance a lot and that will make a lot of people happy and the previous issues you know various reports have shown that gnome had become the resource hungry desktop the most resource hungry desktop in linux a few years back and the old single-threaded approach was part of the reason for that. So the farther we get away from that status, the better. There have also been some various improvements to the GNOME settings app, as such as the streamlining of the About page and also reorganizing the privacy panel. And additionally, GNOME team have made some improvements to various apps in the app suite with updates to the Epiphany web browser, Nautilus file manager, the software store, and more. If you want a more in-depth look at GNOME 45, then be sure to subscribe for future coverage when it releases. But for now, if you'd like to learn more, you'll find links in the show notes.
Next up in the show, it's time to talk about KDE and some changes coming to Plasma 6. For those who have been a longtime viewer of this show, and especially those who have attended my past live streams, you might be aware that I'm a pretty big KDE fan, and I've been using the Plasma desktop for my main desktop for many years now. Well, there have been also a few things over the years that I've disagreed with when it comes to KDE's default settings, and one of these has resulted in lively debates on various podcasts, uh, patron-only hangouts that we do, and all around the community. This setting is double-click versus single-click for selecting and opening files and folders. Now, I know you might be thinking this is doesn't seem like a very controversial topic, but as someone who has debated this many times over the past nine years of using KDE Plasma, it is. This week, KDE announced that there will be a new default setting for this and that DoubleClick will become the default for opening files. This is great for a variety of reasons. And if you'd like to know more about what those are, then check out the next episode of Destination Linux where I break it down and go in much more depth about why this matters. But for now though, there was one quote from the discussion thread about this that I wanted to share. They said that we did in fact achieve consensus that DoubleClick is worse, but it's a better default because it's what users coming from other environments are familiar with. And I know most don't see this as a big deal, but in my opinion, it is. And on behalf of every new Windows user switching to Linux, thank you. Oh, right. There is also some other things with Plasma 6 as well, not just the double click change. There have been some improvements to KWIN's blur effect, KDE's crash reporting system. Dr. Conkey has seen some nice usability improvements. More modernization work has been done for the widgets and panels and much, much more. If you'd like to learn more about the upcoming release of KDE Plasma 6, you will find links in the show notes. There is a new release to a classic and OG file manager for Linux. Midnight Commander 4.8.30 has been released. And I just wanted to feature it here on the show for nostalgia's sake. So the highlights of this release is support for PCRE2 has been added for search engine. Also implementation of the panelization buffers for both file panels has been added. And they've added syntax highlighting for Jenkins files and B language. Plus various code cleanup has been done as well. And it basically does what you want a file manager to do. And it does it in the terminal. So if that sounds like something you want, then Link in the show notes. The Fedora team, and more specifically the Fedora Workstation team, have been using projects called QGNOME Platform and Edweta-Qt to apply GNOME-like configurations and styling to Qt applications. This was to make Qt applications look better inside of GNOME Desktop. But unfortunately, there have been some news reported that Fedora plans to drop these in Fedora 39. The change page says that these projects are in a state where they are outdated and sometimes broken for some applications. And it would be better to default to what Qt Upstream has to offer. Now that does make sense, the Qt Upstream, if they were able to implement this sort of thing, that would be good. But in my opinion, this is a bummer. I understand that maintaining projects can be difficult, but this was a really nice part of the Fedora Linux project. If you used Qt-based applications with GNOME in other distros, the experience is kind of clunky. In Fedora, the experience was nice and everything looks great and it looks like it fits. So it's a bummer to see that change. And I do want to be clear that this is a problem that GNOME should fix, not really Fedora. So if Fedora doesn't have time to do it anymore, I get it. But GNOME, let's embrace the open ecosystem and make cute apps look good in GNOME. 
And if you're a distro hopper or have been in Linux for a long time as I have, you may have noticed that GNOME's GTK apps look pretty good in KDE Plasma. And most of the time, Qt apps don't look that good in GNOME. This is not because GTK is a better toolkit. In, in my opinion, in fact, Qt is a better toolkit by far, but that's a different topic. The reason why GTK looks good in KDE Plasma is because KDE did the work to make them look good. And I would hope that GNOME would also do the same. If you'd like to learn more about this information, links in the show notes. Before I end this week's show, I just want to take a moment to let everybody know who's in France that there's a bill they may want to look into. Mozilla has made a page to inform French citizens that a bill is trying to be passed to censor the internet through web browsers. And if this affects you, you can find more information about this in the show notes. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on this show and want to keep up to date with what's going on in the Linux world, then be sure to subscribe. And of course, remember to like that smash button. If you'd like to support the show and the Tux Digital Network, then consider becoming a patron by going to tuxdigital.com slash membership, where you can get a bunch of cool perks like access to patron-only sections of our Discord server and much much more. You can also support the show by ordering the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt, which is the shirt I'm wearing this episode, and the This Week in Linux shirt at tuxdigital.com slash store. Plus, while you're there, check out all the other great stuff like hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, and so much more at tuxdigital.com slash store. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tunnell, and I'll see you next time for another episode of your source for Linux. Good news.